So this year, Sukkot starts on the eve of October 2nd. All the different holidays all have something much deeper behind it. So we remember the fullness and the abundance of his provision, but also his care and protection for us during the years we wandered in the wilderness. Jesus Sukkot among us. Jesus tabernacled among us. The Eternal One took on a tabernacle of human flesh. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus, believe that God is doing something unique among the Jewish people around the world. We're here to inform you on matters affecting you in the Christian world. If you've been following along with us the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the fall feasts, and we're going to finish up that series today. If you clicked on this podcast, you saw that it was called A Jew and a Gentile Discuss Dinner Under the Stars. So, I'll let Ezra unpack why it's called Dinner Under the Stars when we're specifically talking about the fall feast of Sukkot. So let's discuss. So most Christians don't even know what the fall feasts are or why they're related to them. So why should they learn about the fall feasts? Yeah, good question, Carly. And if you've been following with us in the first uh, two parts of this three-part series, you already know the answer to this question. If you haven't been, real briefly, uh, other than my recommendation that you listen to our uh, podcasts on Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and then Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement, the fall feasts are this cluster of holidays on the Jewish calendar that happen between early September and the end of October every year, depending on how those holidays fall on the Gregorian calendar, um, which walk the Jewish people through a season of repentance and recognition of the holiness of God and that he is the righteous judge of all the earth, Jew and Gentile alike. And then through a period of remembering that uh, blood is required to atone for our sins um, and that temple worship by priests is required um, to uh, renew our right standing in the eyes of a holy God. And then culminating in this idea after going through the repentance, after going through this period of atonement and repentance for sins, um, culminating in a great celebration. And the celebration is is really uh twofold, and we'll unpack this a bit in a minute, but the final feast in the fall feasts is Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. It's doing two things. The first is it's celebrating the end of the harvest year. So uh, the holidays on the Jewish calendar, really the spring feasts of Passover and Pentecost, Shavuot originally, which became Pentecost in the year of uh, Jesus' death and resurrection, are really culminating the end of the rainy season and the beginning of the growing season, the harvest season. And then you're going through, through, through the hot, sunny months of summer and different harvests come ripe, uh, come to their fulfillment at different points, culminating in the harvest of things that grow on trees and on vines during Sukkot. And Sukkot also generally, give or take a few weeks on the Jewish calendar, kicks off the rainy season. So the end of the summer and the heat and the sun is over. And in Israel, in the land promised to the Jewish people, uh, the rain usually begins end of September, beginning of October, and then carries through all winter. In Israel, you don't so much have a summer uh, autumn, winter, spring. You have summer, which is the growing season, the hot, sunny season. And then you have winter, which is the cooler, rainy season. Uh, and that's kind of how the agricultural calendar works. So there's agricultural implications to the timing of these uh, appointed times called Moedim in Hebrew on God's calendar. But um, Sukkot 
is the culmination of those fall feasts. And then I got ahead of myself. The second thing that we're remembering at Sukkot, other than the harvest and the abundance that we're trusting God to bring to us agriculturally, is uh, we're remembering that God cared for us and provided shelter for us and sustained us during those 40 years in the wilderness, which were really supposed to be maybe a couple weeks. But because of our stubbornness and disbelief and disobedience, we ended up walking through the wilderness for 40 years on our journey to the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land of Israel. And so we remember the fullness and the abundance of his provision, but also his care and protection for us during the years we wandered in the wilderness after we were uh, delivered from slavery in Egypt. So that's the idea with Sukkot, and that's what we mean by fall feasts. So Sukkot is something I had never heard of, and when I first started working at Jewish Voice, which we've mentioned we both work at, um, it was in September, yeah. and so we were like right in the midst of celebrating the fall feast. And I just remember we were like outside building little huts and hanging right. up fruit. Right. which was like so very foreign to me. And I was like, what did I just get myself into? Right. So explain a little bit about what that is, because most Christians probably haven't seen that or heard of it. Maybe they've seen like I've seen some Jewish friends who post like these amazing things yeah. in their backyard. That's like, what is this? So right. tell us also why uh, you're calling this a Jew and a Gentile discuss dinner under the stars. Yeah. And you made a good point, Carly. You know, I think in, in Christians' efforts to understand Jewish things, um, you have to look beneath the surface. And what do I mean by that? It's easy to, and maybe some of you live in cities with larger Jewish populations, maybe you don't. But those who do maybe have seen, like you said, you've seen pictures of uh, Sukkot, which literally means tabernacles. A sukkah is a temporary dwelling, a tabernacle. And or you've driven by uh, friends who are Jewish in their homes. And then every year, maybe around the weeks before Halloween, all of a sudden this weird kind of rickety structure goes up with a bunch of plants thrown on the top and fruit hanging from it. And at first blush, you're like weird. Right. Or even listening to this, I think at looking at, you know, wait a minute, why do these Jewish believers in Jesus hang fruit like this seems super weird and I'm not sure I want to be a part of it. And is this biblical or is this kind of fringe? And so the answer to your question is, yes, it's absolutely biblical. Uh, Dinner under the stars. We sort of, you know, tongue in cheek called this podcast Dinner under the Stars, because the idea of Sukkot is that for seven days you literally dwell outside where you can see the stars. And uh, the idea there comes from the Old Testament, not just from somebody's crazy idea to figure out how to tie a string around an apple so it won't fall down for a week um, and have your kids make little paper decorations and sit outside and get sunburnt in Phoenix in September when it's 105. But anyway, uh, this comes from the Old Testament, believe it or not. And it's in Leviticus 23, which is really a summary of so many of the Jewish holidays, these appointed times. And it says in verses 33 to 36, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites on the 15th day of the seventh month. So remember, Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the seventh month and Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, is the 10th day of the seventh month. Now on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacles or Sukkot, begins and lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work on that day. And then for seven days, here's the apples, here's the fruit. For seven days, present food offerings to the Lord. You see, I told you it's biblical. And on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly 
and present a food offering to the Lord. It is the closing special assembly and do no regular work. So maybe this sounds a little weird. Wait, wait, wait. Are we like in India? Like, do we really put out fruit for God to consume? No, it doesn't say he's going to eat it out of your tabernacles. Don't be weirded out. What it's saying is in the same way, Carly, that we like do tithes and offerings, right? It's the Lord doesn't need our money but we're supposed to give him a portion of it because we recognize that he provided all of it and we trust him for the rest. So the idea here is bring some of what the Lord in his mercy has sent you rain and sun to be able to grow and skill to be able to grow and harvest, bring some of it into this temporary dwelling and put it there and remember that it's God who gave you the whole harvest so you can give thanks to him with a portion of it, with your first fruits of your harvest. And you display the goodness of God. It's like a practical display of the goodness and the provision of God. And dinner under the stars comes from this idea that you're you're meant to dwell in these tabernacles. It's a different word. Sukkah is different than bet in Hebrew. Bet or bite is a house, like a, a dwelling, a structure that you dwell in in an ongoing way. But sukkah is literally a temporary like a tent, temporary dwelling. And what you're remembering here is God led us with faithfulness by cloud by day and by fire by night through the wilderness for 40 years. And there's other verses that say, you know, your clothing didn't wear out. The straps on your sandals didn't break because I cared for you in a miraculous way in a time when you were walking through the wilderness. And maybe some of our audience is listening and saying, I feel like I've been walking through the wilderness. Okay, well, all the more reason to celebrate Sukkot this year and remember I may not have abundance, but God has provided for me and I have enough, even at a time when it feels like I'm just wandering and waiting on his promises to be fulfilled. So that's the Old Testament significance. And then uh, in the New Testament, believe it or not, you also see uh, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. And this is one that it says Jesus celebrates by name, like it's in there. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. And then in John 7, and you know this scripture, but maybe you've never had the context. This is John 7, verse 37, and it says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, or the feast, and we'll stop right there. What does that mean? Sukkot is this idea of a week-long festival building up to this eighth-day celebration. Remember we read it's the closing day, a special assembly. So that's what's being referred to specifically here on this last and greatest day of the feast. And the context, Carly, is um, this is, as we said, the end of the dry season. So Yes, there's lots of harvest, but Israel at this point every year is desperate for rain. The fields are dry, the the streams are the stream beds are dry, the brooks aren't running anymore, and people are desperate for rain. And so listen to what Yeshua has to say here, what Jesus has to say. It says, On this last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, so he's in the temple, and everybody's praying for rain. Lord send rain from heaven. And Jesus all of a sudden stands up and shouts. Let anyone who is thirsty, well, the context is everybody in Israel's thirsty right now. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And it says, by this he meant his spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Because up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus has not yet been glorified. And it's interesting because everybody's praying for rain from heaven. But Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, there's going to be water that you need flowing from inside you. And it's just, it's when you understand the context of the Jewish holidays and customs in what Jesus is saying and teaching, it's shocking. It's shocking. 
because people are saying, what do you mean? We need rain from heaven. What do you mean flow from within us? But he was starting to preach about this idea of a spirit, of the spirit of God actually dwelling, not just in heaven and not just in the temple and not just accessible by the high priest one day a year on the Day of Atonement, but actually dwelling in men. And it was shocking what he was saying. Some people considered it heresy, but those who had eyes to see understood that it was truth. So super interesting holiday. Yes, Jesus celebrated it in the temple. So the word tabernacle makes me yeah. think of John 1.14, where it says the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Is that mm-hmm. related? It's exactly related because not just, you know, we're not just remembering Israel tabernacling in the wilderness, but that Jesus, uh, the God man, right? God from eternity to eternity before creation was he was and he is and he will be the same forevermore donned this temporary flesh right jesus is god in a bod we say like it's man you know god becoming man and dwelling in a very temporary dwelling right we all live in these bodies and we have various health problems and some days we don't feel good and whatever and we're very aware that our body is like a tabernacle you know uh, some of us more aware than others. If I don't have coffee for about six hours, I am aware of the tabernacle nature of my body, that it is corruptible and temporary and needs to be sustained and tweaked to keep going on. Um, And so the idea there in John 1, like you said, is very much the same idea. Jesus succored among us. Jesus tabernacled among us. The eternal one took on a tabernacle of human flesh and dwelt with us so that he could relate to us in every way, and so that he could give up his body as a required sacrifice for sin. So yeah, very similar idea there. And that's something that as believers, we can remember, Jewish and Christian alike, we remember every year when we put up that tabernacle. For those of us who do, I know uh, my wife and I do, you know, and it's it's hot out, and you're sitting under the, the sukkah, and you're enjoying the fruit, and you're enjoying the feast, but you're also sweating a little bit, and you're saying, wow, I am very aware of the temporary nature of my corruptible body apart from my salvation in the Lord, and, and getting a resurrected body in this day when things aren't going to be temporary and corruptible anymore. So that's a good thing to remember on this holiday as well. So I just want to note something you said a little earlier that I don't want people listening to miss, which yeah. is uh, you have to look behind what you see in the Jewish holidays to really understand the meeting. Right. When you said that, I was thinking about Hanukkah and yeah. you know lighting the Hanukkah right. um, or Purim and doing the play and eating the, the different food. And right. all the different holidays all have something, some almost – just stereotypical thing you know about it, but right. there's something much deeper behind it. So I think that's a great takeaway that is mm-hmm. hopefully you can learn what's really behind what you see. And it's not just, you know, setting up uh, a tabernacle outside and sitting under it. There's something much deeper than that. So yeah. I hope that's an encouragement to learn those things. And I'm sure you as a Jewish believer could point out in the Christian world, you know, things that we do that we don't think are weird. Because right. they're, you know, part of our Christian ways. Um, right. Of course, there's meaning behind them. So I think that's a great takeaway for people. Yeah, really good, Carly. And I think, you know, one of the things to remember is that biblically, what's prescribed or what's commanded for Jewish people uh, is a core. But on top of that, the countries where people live, the culture that they have. Like my family originally comes from Belarus and Poland. 
Um, and so we have all these, it's called Ashkenazi or European Jewish traditions. Like on Hanukkah, you use that example on Hanukkah, I'm eating fried potato pancakes because that's what my people did back in Europe. And so that's what we enjoy here in the States. But if you go to Israel, they're going to be eating jelly donuts. And I had no idea that for Hanukkah, you eat a jelly donut until I started going to Israel. And a lot of Israelis aren't going to make potato pancakes because they're in Israel. They didn't come from Europe. And so it's important, you know, our audience may know or think they know certain things around Jewish traditions, or they may just be weirded out. Like, why are you frying potato and onion on the holiday? And why are you hanging apples and making little paper rings and sitting in a hut in your front yard on Sukkot? And this is weird. And why are you, you know, eating this stinky fish on Passover and saying it's part of this uh, religious experience? Get beyond and even get below the specific traditions you see to understand the biblical significance of what people are doing or trying to do through their own culture, through their own expression, through their family's tradition from generations before. And like, you know, I didn't know. Uh, looking at some members of the Christian community. Like, why do people put out a manger scene with a little naked Jesus? Like, I didn't get it. I thought that's kind of weird. Was Jesus really like Norwegian and pink like that? I don't know. <laughs> but right. But for some people, it's super meaningful to have a manger scene because it reminds you of like we were talking about Jesus coming in this tabernacle of flesh and the humanity of it all. So I think that's super important for Christians who are trying to understand Jewish things. Don't get caught up on the traditions and don't get caught up on the expressions of things that you don't understand. Ask a Jewish friend or family, read a little bit about it, listen to this podcast, understand the core and the intended meaning God had behind the things he called Israel to do. Yeah, that's a great reminder. So this year, Sukkot starts on the eve of October 2nd. And if you listen to our last two podcasts, uh, you know, we talked about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. How does Sukkot or does it relate to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Yeah, it's good. Sukkot is the is the culmination, as we said. So Rosh Hashanah is this kind of wake-up call, right? You hear the shofar blast, listen to our podcast on Rosh Hashanah to understand the details. I'm at a very high level right now, but you hear the shofar blast, you are awakened to the reality that God is the soon-coming king and judge, the ruler of the nations of the earth, and that he cannot be in the presence of anything but holiness and righteousness. And then we walk through that season of repentance, getting right with God, getting right with our neighbors into this very holy day of atonement when we literally are commanded to do nothing and deny ourselves and remember that God is the one who provides atonement and that our names must be written in the book of life. And praise God through our faith in Yeshua, we, we know that that's the case uh, because he entered into, into heaven and offered his own blood. And so you have this season of, repentance and reflection, holiness and redemption. And then it ends, as many Jewish things do, in this great celebration. Um, the holiness of God. There's always food involved in a Jewish Yeah, holiday. that's exactly right. There's always food. Um, we say kind of the tagline of Jewish holidays is somebody tried to kill us, God preserved us. Let's eat. Bon appetit. <laughs> and yeah. so this holiday as well is, you know, in a way, our sin was our death sentence. God has provided the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. We're redeemed. He's provided for our needs this year. We trust him to provide for our needs every year through this provision in our lives. He sustained us in the wilderness when the armies tried to get us. He brought us into the promised land. Let's eat. So again, it is literally uh, in Hebrew, Hag Sukkot. And Hag, I'm using a little phlegm here because that's how you have to pronounce it in correct Hebrew. Hag Sukkot uh, means the feast. Uh, of tabernacles. And it is quite literally a feast. We're commanded 
to feast for seven days. And I love that. I think that idea is missing sometimes in Christian thought, right? Like we have this idea like Lent, we're commanded to deny ourselves and like get rid of something that costs us. We feel it and we remember our need for God and for a savior. Uh, But this idea of commanded to feast is a very Jewish idea. And so we say it kind of like a joke, but it's actually true. Like we're commanded to feast on the practical provisions God has provided for us in his abundance and his mercy. And so Sukkot's one of my favorite holidays because I like to eat. So uh, I like the feast. So commanded to feast. I don't know who wouldn't want to observe that. Exactly. So I just kind of want to summarize, and you correct me if I'm missing anything here, but from the three holidays we've looked at, it starts with, 30 days of repentance that leads into Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. Then there's 10 days of awe. Then Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. Right. And it ends with Sukkot. Is there right. anything between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, kind of like the other holidays? Yeah, only because there's only four or five days in between them. Typically, this isn't a commandment, but typically right after the breakfast or the end of Yom Kippur, on the evening that Yom Kippur ends, Typically, people take their kids outside and they start setting up their tabernacles, their Sukkot, their sukkahs on their front lawn, on their patio. If they live in New York City, they're setting it up on the balcony in their condo and you build the largest one you can on your little con- on your uh, patio, uh, whatever it is. But uh, that happens right after Yom Kippur because it's this anticipation of celebration. And the sukkah needs to be built before Sukkot. Like the idea is don't start building it, I should say, on the first day of Sukkot. Start building it in the four or five days before Sukkot uh, so that you're ready to dwell in it. So I like that idea too. And uh, I hope that connects with our audience, this idea of preparing to celebrate the goodness of God. Like don't just crash into it and say, yeah, I should celebrate now. Like get your heart, get your life in a place where you're ready to celebrate his goodness. Got it. Okay, so before we talk about how to celebrate as a Christian. Um, We want to talk about a way that you can partner with us to do Jewish ministry. So Ezra's going to tell you a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, Carly, throughout this whole series uh, about the fall feast on the Jewish calendar and also throughout this whole podcast series, we are uh, just continuing to uh, share with our audience how important it is to God's heart that Jewish people Uh, have a transformative encounter with the Lord through Jesus. And it's important to his heart, too, that Christians understand who the Jewish people are, why do they exist, why has God preserved the Jewish people, why has he preserved the land of Israel, why does that matter for you today? Equally as important are you at home catching that burden on the Lord's heart that this has been, is, and will remain a priority for him because what he's doing in the land of Israel and among Jewish people is central to how things will unfold in the days to come. And uh, we don't want you to be ignorant of these things. We want you to be aware and we want you to get involved. Get involved in meeting the needs of Jewish people around the world who are hurting. Maybe they have physical needs. Maybe they have emotional and spiritual needs. Here at this podcast, we are committed to partnering with well over 100 ministries around the world in Israel, in Latin America, in Ethiopia, in Zimbabwe, among some of the richest and the poorest Jewish communities on the face of the earth. For one reason, because they have one common need, and it's to know the hope and the salvation that comes through that relationship with our Jewish Messiah, Jesus. If you want to get involved, the Lord's tugging on your heart a bit to be more involved. We have a way for you to partner with us. 
the resources you sow into this program will go to partnering with Jewish ministries around the world who are making a difference in the name of Jesus and the life of Jewish people and their neighbors. And as a small thank you, we want to get some delicious coffee into your hands, not just any coffee, coffee from the top couple percent of beans harvested around the world and specifically from a country near and dear to our hearts, the nation of Ethiopia, home to tens of thousands of Jewish people still living in that land, waiting for their chance to return to Israel one day. And in the meantime, we're delighted to partner with other ministries closely to serve their needs in the name of Jesus. That coffee uh, is a thank you for your partnership. If you want to know more about it, get online a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. You can get the coffee as often as you'd like. The details are there online. And uh, thanks for considering being a part through this podcast of what God's doing in the lives of Jewish people around the world. You can do it while you're sipping that coffee at home. You can be directly involved in uh, Jewish people having a transformative encounter with the Lord. So thanks for looking into it. A Jew and a Gentile discuss.org for more details. So back to Sukkot, you know, on each of these fall feast podcasts, we've talked about how Christians should celebrate or observe. Um, So, same with Sukkot. Is this a holiday that Christians need or are required to observe? Yeah, same with all Jewish holidays, Carly. It's an invitation, not a commandment. Do I believe that Jewish people uh, are commanded by God, not as an issue of righteousness, but as an act of obedience to observe these holidays? Yes. Why do I feel that way? One, because I see God saying it's an ordinance for you, a statute for you forever and all your generations. Two, because I see Jesus doing it. And three, because I see the first disciples in the first in the first century who were almost all Jewish before the gospel went to all the nations a couple decades in. Uh, observing these same holidays, and there's so much richness and meaning. So for Jewish believers, there is this element of of God calling us to be and to do all the things that these holidays represent. For Christians who uh, have been grafted into that olive tree, is there that same calling and obedience issue? No. And is it a righteousness issue to keep these commandments, to keep these holidays, to eat certain foods, to do certain Jewish things? No, absolutely not. Not at all. Your righteousness, our righteousness is through nothing else than the blood of you, of, Jew, of Jesus, of Yeshua, Jew and Gentile alike. That being said, there's always an invitation to stand with Jewish people, especially those who believe in Jesus, um, and to stand in unity to celebrate the holidays, to understand their significance, to let God speak to you through these holidays, especially these fall feasts on the Jewish calendar, not just about what he has done, but about what he is going to do in the days preceding the return and even during the days of uh, the reign of Jesus on earth. It's exciting times. We don't want to be ignorant. We don't want to be caught by surprise. So let these holidays every year uh, just spark your heart and your imagination and stir your spirit as to where God is calling you to be, how he's calling you to think about what's happening in the world and how he wants to position you to be fruitful and effective in his kingdom. You mentioned earlier that it does say in the scriptures that Jesus celebrated Sukkot. Um, We talked about for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it doesn't specifically say, but you know, as we know that Jesus was a rabbi and what we know about him, we presume celebrated them. But because we can see that he actually celebrated Sukkot, what is the significance in that? And is there anything else related to his celebration of Sukkot? Yeah, I think it's not only Jesus saying, you know, hey, I'm the fulfillment of the need for water because I give living water through the spirit who I'll send. 
Um, but there is this idea in Zechariah of this day yet to come when the Messiah, the promised one, would rule and reign on earth. Zechariah is seeing through the eyes of faith as the Spirit inspired his prophecy. He's seeing ahead um, to days which we believe are still yet to come. And in Zechariah 14, verse 16, near the end of the book of Zechariah, um, there's a scripture that says, and I'm actually going to read it here. It says, then all the survivors from the nations that came against Jerusalem. So what is it talking about? We know this idea that in the last days, right before the return of the Messiah, the return of Jesus, all the nations of the world will be gathered together against Jerusalem. And just when it looks like Jerusalem and Israel and the Jewish people are about to be wiped off the face of the earth, Jesus comes back in this miraculous, even military deliverance and crushes unrighteousness and wickedness under his feet. And so that's the context here. And it's saying then, All the survivors from the nations that came against Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and listen to this, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, to celebrate Sukkot. All the nations of the earth will go up year after year to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And verse 17 says, and should any of the families of the earth not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, the rain will not fall on them. So Carly, this holiday is very interesting. Do I believe there's a commandment for Christians to keep this holiday right now? No, I don't. I believe there's an invitation. But we also know that times and seasons change and the way God relates to people in the world adapts according to what he's doing in the earth in that season. So there's this day when Jesus is ruling and reigning on earth from Jerusalem. We believe according to the scriptures, like from physical Jerusalem in physical land of Israel. And there's this worldwide recognition of his messiahship, mostly. And he's saying Sukkot matters. I love this verse. All the nations and the families will be called. And in this way, it is more than invited. It looks like commanded as an act of obedience to come worship during Sukkot uh, year after year. And it's so strong a commandment that it actually says those who say, I will not align myself with this feast on God's timeline, won't receive rain for the year thereafter. So this is serious business. Do I understand exactly the implications of all of this and how there's going to be representatives from all the families of the earth coming to this small New Jersey-shaped piece of land called Israel? No, I don't, but I know it's in the scriptures. And this alone is like a proof text of why Christians need to care about these holidays. There's a day coming when God's saying this will matter. It will matter to the degree of rain versus drought for a year. So certainly something to keep in mind and to pray for wisdom on. So how do you, as a Jewish believer, observe Sukkot? Yeah, well, I certainly set up a sukkah. Um, As a single guy, I used to just go over and hang out in my friend's sukkahs. So now married, I have more of a responsibility to set one up. I'm not the world's best construction person. So sometimes I, I get by with a little help from my friends. And it's funny, you know, all of us love to dwell in the sukkah, but I should probably set it up alone because nobody should hear the things coming out of my mouth while I'm trying to put these... uh, screws in wood for a few hours in the hot Phoenix sun in September or October. But anyway, that aside, uh, we set up the sukkah, we feast, we eat a lot of good food. It's a time really of just dwelling with, uh, as so many Jewish holidays are, dwelling with people we know and love and actually inviting friends into your sukkah. And this is a time of year for Christians. Maybe I'm answering your next question before you ask it, but how should Christians get involved? Um, We as a Jewish people have an obligation have an obligation 
to invite those around us who we know and love to join us under our sukkah. Because abundance isn't for us and blessing isn't for us. Blessing is so that everybody else gets blessed. And abundance is so we can overflow that abundance into the lives of those around us. So if you have Jewish friends or family members, ask them if they haven't asked you, hey, can I come over and uh, dwell in your sukkah? Can I come sit with you and have a coffee, have a snack in your sukkah? I'll bring the food. You set up the sukkah. Let's uh, hang out and get together. And they'll be, one, shocked that you know what Sukkot is probably, two, shocked that you care, and three, they'd love the opportunity to talk with you about what that means to you as a believer, uh, even though you're not Jewish, the understanding you have of Sukkot. So uh, it's a great opportunity to build relationship with Jewish friends and family. Uh, it's one of my favorite holidays of the year, as I said. Uh, more than just sitting under the sukkah, thinking about God's goodness, uh, eating a lot of good food and being with people I love. That's kind of what it's all about. So do you actually sleep there multiple nights? I have. The idea, one of the commandments is you need to see the stars because the idea Ah. is you remember that you dwell in these temporary dwellings. So you need to build the roof of your sukkah uh, out of palm branches, actually, or other kind of leafy things that aren't solid. Like if you put a tarp on, you're cheating. So you're supposed to put branches on so that you can still see the stars of the sky through the roof and remember that the dwelling one is temporary. It's not good to be able to see the stars from your bedroom in your house, or you have a real construction problem, but two, just consider that journeying through the wilderness with God's provision after we left Egypt. So I have uh, slept outside in Chicago where I lived for years. It was too cold. It was like, uh, you know, 35 degrees and rainy. And we would say, oh, this is terrible. Lord, bring us back to Israel. We're living in the exile here. And in Phoenix, it's too hot. And you sit there and you sweat all night. But again, temporary. And for uh, seven days, we can do it. So, you know, as you mentioned that you're not great at construction, I'm thinking of a friend of ours who has an engineering background and his wife, everything she does looks like Pinterest. So her sukkah is like, the most amazing looking thing that people would want to be in. It's incredible. It is. She has an Instagram and you can even look at it. But um, so for as a Christian, you know, you said there's an invitation for me to celebrate. Do I need to build a sukkah or is there another way I can observe? Yeah, go like we said, connect with a Jewish friend or family member. You certainly can build a sukkah like there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Find some diagrams online. You can make it as simple or as Pinteresty as you want. Uh, and everything in between. But I would say maybe the more uh, practical and even more meaningful thing to do, Carly, is find a Jewish person in your community that you have a relationship with uh, and ask to go hang out under their sukkah once or even more times. They'll, If they're observant in the Jewish faith, they'll be out there every day for a week, at least a couple hours a day. So uh, take advantage of that opportunity. Dwell under somebody else's sukkah. So what would you say is the the bottom line fact for a Christian to take away from Sukkot? Yeah, I think the provision of God during times of journeying to what he has for us, even when it seems like the conditions are harsh on that journey and there's a lot of exposure physically or spiritually, God provides for us. Secondly, the abundance that he gives into our lives. You know, David says, I was young and and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. So just remembering during this season that God really does provide for his people not just enough, but abundantly. You know, Jesus says, I haven't come that I've come that you might have life and that you'd have it abundantly. So remembering that we have abundant life and abundant provision. Uh, And also remembering that there's a day to come when the one 
who tabernacled among us in flesh, who has died and is resurrected and who lives in a resurrected body with scars on his hands to remind us of his sacrifice in heaven, will come again to rule and to reign and that we will celebrate his presence and his provision uh, when Jesus is back. We, I think these days more than ever, uh, I'm just reminded that we miss him and it would be better if he was here. It would be better with disease, with division, with fighting and strife in the world, with injustice. It would be better if he's here, but he will be here and we'll celebrate Sukkot with him. So looking ahead to that day to come, those are the three things I would say are kind of bottom lining it for our, our Christian audience listening today. Yeah, that's a great reminder. Well, thanks for listening to this three-part series about the fall feast. Stay tuned to hear us discuss one of your questions uh, about Sukkot. But before we do that, I just want to remind you, if you're interested in partnering with us as we share the gospel and minister to Jewish people around the world, um, you can become a monthly partner. And as a thank you, we'll send you uh, some of the premier Ethiopian coffee that we have. And you can learn more about that at ajunagentildiscuss.org. So the question that we have from our audience today is, uh, what is your most uh, memorable Sukkot? Uh, but I'm going to answer first, and then you can answer, because like I mentioned, when we first started, or when I first started working at Jewish Voice, we were celebrating Sukkot. And not right. only did they build one outside and hang the fruit, but the other thing that we did is we had a sukkah building contest. Right. So we all made like little sukkahs out of like popsicle sticks and uh, stuff. And then I remember that. There was, yeah, there was like all sorts of ones with like lights and all sorts of things. And I can't remember, you know, you won some prize at the end. Um, So that's really my most memorable Sukkot. But what about you? Yeah, I think, you know, I I referenced it earlier. I I went to a Messianic congregation for a number of years when I lived in Chicago uh, in the mid 2000s. And one day a bunch of the young adults had this great idea. Let's camp in the Sukkah. And we said, this is great. You know, it was a beautiful fall afternoon. It was like 60s, you know, a little bit of a chill in the air. We lit a campfire outside the congregation. We got in the sukkah and we are awakened at like 1030 at night by this crazy freezing rainstorm, Carly. And it was so cold. And it was actually one of the first times I remember saying like, Lord, take me to Israel. Let me move back to the promised land because there it's actually pleasant this time of year. during Get me out of this frozen wasteland. And now I'm in Phoenix, as I said, on the other end of the spectrum, hottest city in the country, almost uh, sweating my way through Sukkot. But that was the most memorable. And we ended up at an all night diner eating breakfast burritos at about 2 a.m. trying to get dry and warm. So uh, for better or for worse, that was one of my most memorable Sukkots. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a memorable one for sure. For sure. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. We'd also love if you leave us a review, share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media. If there's anything you want to have us discuss or answer, submit your questions to a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another episode. The show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.